Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Another episode of Westworld, or should I say Shogun World? You know, they, they only build the Shogun World aspect of it, but there was plenty of other stuff that happened this week. Why don't we start at the end end? Where do you come down on what's apparently going to happen to Teddy? Is that not what every single girlfriend wants to do? with their lover when they've decided that you know what just not getting buddy did you did you look at any of the screen caps that that people had said about what the the adjusted settings are no no i didn't yeah you should it's they're like they're he's like the opposite of the guy that bernard set oh like almost exactly he's just mean really he's just gonna be mean and ornery oh james james marston i feel bad feel bad for him i i feel bad as well okay you want anything more on dolores that you want to talk no, about i don't we're halfway through the season and she's not compelling right now i know it, it's it's hard because she was last yeah, season very. it was like was so good the um the character dolores the actress was very good and i think both of them are yep. really letting us down this season i yep i agree uh, loved the pseudo Sweetwater. I know that was so pretty good. good. And the paint it black. Yes, 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 yes. The real the moment of realization was key. Yeah, the realization for the um, the hosts like that's us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really like I'm starting to like the um, the narrative guy. I yeah I was actually an early adopter of that. I enjoyed mm. I enjoy his acting and role. What he brings to yes. the party, yeah, Espe- yeah, especially this season. Last se- season, even it was sort of fun because you know he's a dick. Yeah, it wasn't. Not. I mean, I wonder. I'd be curious to know, you know, inside the writers' room where if they had pictured this part of the story for him when they were writing last season, or. Yeah, like where where exactly him being a part of this developed? Because it's not immediately clear from last season that like, oh, this is a breakout actor. We need to write a role for him. No, but I think that it was the right foil. They just put it, put him with Maeve, and then sometimes I think about this like it's a video game. A lot of times I think about it like it's yeah. A video I think game. I think you should think about it like it's a video game. <laughs> I think that's a key point. <laughs> But is it for William or is it for Maeve? I don't think it's for William. I think I'm I'm feeling that the end of William is nigh. All right, another really big debate for us to parse out. Laurel or Yanni. Let's do it right now. Which one did you hear? What did you hear? I mean, like, I'm half deaf in one ear, so I'm gonna I, I am gonna hear probably the worst side of that 
So I heard Yanni. So no, so did I. But that no, that that's actually backwards then because it's did you see the stuff that it's the high if you hear high frequencies, if you can hear high frequencies, you'll hear Yanni. Really? If you only hear low frequencies, you see Laurel. Yeah, there's there's tools on like New York Times and stuff where they'll where you can high pass, low pass filter it. If you cut out the high stuff, you hear I can finally hear Laurel. That's interesting. Oh, okay. Wow, that's that actually does make total sense. Cause my I like this is this is definitely gonna cut get cut right here. So my hearing actually does like fe- low female voices. Uh-huh. I have the hardest time hearing their voices. They're in the range. Like when I did all the hearing tests when I was in um, sixth grade. Then again, when I, once I was in like tenth mm-hmm. grade. Yeah, I think so. If you if you had that, then you were definitely going for Yanni. Yanni, so funny that it's a thing. Today on the pod, we are going to talk about ownership, and it's going to be a twofold look at it. Eric's going to talk using the CBS data about ownership in general and start numbers. And then after the break, I'm going to talk using the ESPN numbers about some of the changes and what we can hope to learn from that. Take it away, Eric. It's a dangerous business, Michael, going out your door into ownership model data. Well said. This was fun. You know, we talked in podcast 2.06 about the importance of ownership data and the importance of looking at ownership data to get a sense for, you know, what players were valuable, what players weren't valuable, how to use it for pickups. And um, as we had mentioned at that point, we were going to try to start recording our own ownership data because they don't make it uh, available we haven't found it available in a longitudinal sense. So we've been scraping data from our different sources. And I have had a script up in um, that has been grabbing data from CBS. And Mike, you know what really hurts? I, I put in a lot of work to get a script that would run every night. Um, just I did no, nothing. <laughs> okay. No effort yeah. whatsoever. So what... I have been able to do this time is da, 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 create an ownership <laughs> model. Thank you. Yes, yes. Of course, that is if you like spline curves. Do you use spline Always. curves? It's the only way to fit. Spline curves are great because you can take the derivatives of the functions. So we, cre- we Royal We, created <laughs> a spline curve model from the ownership data. Uh, Wait, is there a fit model on there? That's what it is. That's the fit. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. It's beautiful, yeah. So 80% ownership is 204, 205, 206, 207, 208. Because we're dealing in integers here, we're not dealing in um, real numbers. So standard, let's say that, let's say you're, uh, I mean, for simple math, it's a 10-team league. So the typical, so the typical thing here, that seems, that actually seems low. I would expect it, that to me suggests that there must be smaller leagues. 10 team leagues man yeah 10 team shallow leagues like 10 teams how many starters 20 we have have, large rosters in our league yeah but we have i mean the number number of starters is going to be pretty normal 17 ish should be pretty fixed yeah 16 17 i think is is somewhere around Somewhere around so normal. Say, yeah, eight and eight. I mean sixteen, I think, and eight and eight is is what you see a lot yeah, so of. So let's say so hundred so if if it was a perfect leave, the simplest model would be it goes hundred percent out to one sixty and then drops to zero. Yeah. 
Well, not quite because you have bench spots. So it goes to, you know, goes to 200 and then drops to zero. So the fact that you see a curve here, everything that, that is in that curve is where people disagree on the different value of players. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because you, you basically, you can see there's sort of a knee at like 180. And I think everybody, you know, ranked above 180, just kind of the world agrees, okay, those are good players. Except for those are must weird owns. leagues. But then from 180 to 500, everybody disagrees on the relative value. Putting this into the model, 180 is 86% owned. Okay. So five out of every six leagues, the player's owned. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. The last inflection is what, 450? Yeah. Yeah, probably 450. And that's 17% owned. So it's like the middle two thirds. Yeah. So from one eighty to four fifty, those are wild cards. Yeah. The middle two thirds. The middle two thirds of ownership from one sixth up to five sixth. Basically. On their yeah. way up. On their way down. That's very interesting. I mean, the thing that the thing that took me a long time to wrap my head around this is that the the hard part about this, like looking at these aggregate numbers, is that. It's total. It's binary in your league, right? They're either owned or they aren't. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, the gradation is um, is built up over hundreds of leagues, right? All right. So I've prepared a couple of examples. I think you're going to do a little bit more of this, but I just thought it would be fun. Um, yeah, it also it shows fun. a different way that we we. Oh, yeah, I don't think you. I'm the one putting the graphs together this week. La la di da. Um, so let's start with I put together four graphs, uh, four owners, and this is the ownership percent um, longitudinally across the data set that I put together. So I have one Soto, Miguel Cabrera, Billy Hamilton, and Rich Hill. Which one of these do you want to talk about first? Let's get one Soto out of the way. That's a simple one. So Juan Soto uh, started the season owned in 15% of leagues or something like that, 12, 15. And slowly, his curve is just infinitesimally rising until he got called up. And it shoots up to uh, around 80% owned. Frankly, shocking that he was owned in 15% of the leagues to start the season. Pretty insane, right? Owned in our league. Yeah. I mean, our league is our league is deep on prospects, though. It's a, our league is a bad. Yeah, a bad well, there are a lot of dynasty use. leagues. A lot of dynasty leagues out there. Well, this this should tell you that probably a sixth, right? I mean, I, I like thinking about the limiting cases, and we'll talk about a couple more of these when we get to my section. But I think Juan Soto is a limiting case. Somebody that people pretty much universally agree is going to be great and, yeah. and a big impact in fantasy, and he's only owned in a Absolutely. sixth of the leagues. So that to me, implies that a sixth of the leagues are dynasty, or a sixth of the leagues have like some sort of multi-year or extremely deep implication. Man, you want to suss out what the types of leagues so out there bad. are. So bad. So bad. I know. We'll add that to our um, Twitter storm okay. All right. <laughs> request. All right, so let's talk about the inverse of this. Rich Hill. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? He really what is the inverse. What does his graph look like? A <laughs> little bit. 
what is it? So his starts, he starts the season off somewhere around 95 percentile ownership and just slowly over time, decreasing, decreasing, decreasing. And then around the beginning of May, it starts to take a turn for the worse. And we are heading down, we're down, what, below 70% owned? Yeah. Rich Hill. Really helpful to see, though. I mean, people were believing in him for a while, even though he was on the DL. Yeah. <laughs> Getting blisters, uh, doing that the was, huge. Yeah, he, he had a very long leash. And it's interesting because his leash is so long because of two years ago, not even because of last year. Right, exactly. That's kind of the ownership case. You know, people will, will hold on to this probably longer people longer than they should which brings us to miguel cabrera (laughs) he's been flirting around 100 percent owned slight downward trend over the season started the season basically at 100 percent owned slight downward trend but he's still owned in upwards of 96 percent leagues well back in back in 2008 when we started in our league we had an owner 10 years ago that Only picked guys that he knew were good in when we were in high school. So five years before that, uh-huh. and I think there's some of that that's probably going on right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. People just remember, know the name. I, but there have been a lot of fantasy players over the years that have like come back from the dead. Like I'm thinking about Vmart in 2014. Just like all of a sudden, it was like. Boom! It went. He, he'd been basically out of the game, and then, like, he was a fantasy but, superstar. But it happens in baseball. It does, a lot. but Cabrera has so many injury concerns. Bad injury and concerns. Well, he, I mean, Beltre has the last couple of years. I think as he's well. more like. I would say that Cabrera is more is closer to Pujols than he is to Vmart, like in terms of trajectory, like late career trajectory. And yeah, his body has betrayed I mean, the him. the gold standard for late season trajectories is David Ortiz, right? Late career yeah. trajectories. Late career. Yeah, David Ortiz, yeah. And I think everybody wants to recreate that, but it, but he never had the low production, like marred by injury years that we're seeing in Cabrera and Pujols. Right. Yeah, because he wasn't in the field. Yeah. Oof, yeah, well, we'll see if Miguel Cabrera gets back off the DL. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath for that. Sorry, yeah, but... I just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not either. He is deep on that DL. <laughs> All right, so I also I also gave you four graphs, which are... Um, they are titled as ownership, but the function they put together is not relabeling them correctly. Um, but these are actually the start percents... <laughs> Of all of these players. And we had thought that this was an interesting thing to look at because while a lot of players might be owned, they might always be started. So like Miguel Cabrera is a great example. He's been on the DL, so he should not be started in many leagues. But according to this graph that we have right here, which says that he's at like 90% started, decline, (laughs) decline, decline, then all of a sudden, boom, DL hits. Then he's at ten percent started. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's bad, and that's and it's not even like for two days; it's over more than a week. Since, yeah, for for two weeks, yeah. 
two weeks of being at 10% um, 10 started. That's great. So this is really interesting as well, because then we also see um, Juan Soto has finally was owned in maybe 15, 20% of leagues, not starting a single one. That's good. Yep. Good job, fantasy world. And all of a sudden, he's down. He's started in 30% of leagues. And then Rich Hill is the only one with like some really interesting movement here. That, I mean, trips to the DL will do that to you. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Started the season like 88% oh, uh, started and then slowly and precipitously down to the 10% started range up and then, then Poor back guy. down. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, uh, Rich Hill. All right. So again, ownership data. This is really helpful to look at to get a sense for what everybody in the fantasy world is thinking about certain players. We have created a model of ownership that um, we're going to work on to kind of tweak mm-hmm. and refine so that we can actually get um, uh, some of the noise out that happens over um, different days through the season. But really helpful. And start uh, start percent might be somewhere that we can start to get a little bit more information about how players are, are seen compared to how they're owned. Just adding some layers in there. I'm sure that everyone is waiting for our take on the royal wedding, but sometimes our conversations get so off the rails that we just can't save it. Here's an example. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, wow, hopefully there's something good to cut on in there. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> okay, uh, wow, picking up the pieces, here we go. <laughs> so I have some strategies to try and analyze the longitudinal part of the ownership curve, and I'm curious if you have any other thoughts about how we could process this beyond just inspecting them mechanical turk yeah can we make a mechanical turk do this uh no so my <laughs> so my first my first statement i've got I've, i have three things i have traditional data analysis pattern data pattern based data analysis and then time series analysis um by traditional mm. i mean like let's look at some some base stats what's the minimum for a single player the maximum for a single player What's the mean, the median, and the standard deviation for the single players? Love it. I think those are pretty illustrative, although they're they're coarse, and you can imagine clear cases where they fall apart. For instance, anyone that that reverses the direction of their trajectory. So there are players that go up and come back down. If you want want an example of this, uh, look at Chris Owings' ownership (laughs) as a function of time. Yeah. Yeah, the Kuznets curve is really hard yes. to model. Yes, very hard to model. And, in so, and so we're running analysis. into that too. The traditional stats are falling apart. And so that's what made me think about, okay, what about pattern data analysis? Um, and we've, we've kicked right. this around a little bit where we, we thought about templates. Um, and I think that's, I honestly am thinking now that that's probably the best way to go. And the reason that I think templates are such a good idea is because you and I have talked about when we see a guy get injured, we think we've we've immediately said, oh, I know that we're going to see this in the curves next week. Yeah. Um, yep. And and I have some thoughts about time scales going down. The thing that's a little bit harder to quantify, and I don't have a handle on this yet, and maybe you do, is do you, do you know what hot streaks look like 
Like, do you have an idea in your head? I don't have an answer to what templates for hot streaks look like. No, I, no, I don't. I don't have it in my head what it looks like. Who's a who's a good player to think about though? Look at Matt Adams. Not coming up with anything. Fat Adams, yeah. you said. <laughs> I can't seem to find uh, Fat Adams on this list. I mean, he goes from in ESPN. He goes from zero to eighty percent over ten days. There you go. And it, we're already on the way back down. Yeah, but... <laughs> so so that's my point, though, is like, what right. do hot streaks look like? like how, how do we figure that out? Right, exactly, because people overcorrect. Right, exactly. So Hot and cold streaks. People overcorrect, and then we come back to a meet, the happy yep. median. But it turns out that the time scale to get back to that is even longer than I thought, which I'll say again a little later. Um, okay, yeah. here's one thing that I want to do, but I haven't done. So this is sort of my stretch goal, which is time series analysis. Ooh, I we love it. I and frankly, love it. we just haven't gathered enough data yet. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's hard, it's <laughs> hard is, to say that. This is always we're like, the we're like case. Seven weeks, you know, we're seven weeks into gathering this data, and we still can't do, like, I still can't run an autocorrelation that makes any sense on these. Like you're not, you're, I know, I know, but you're not seeing anything that makes that, that there's no sense in it because we're not seeing any, no one has completed any sort of sinusoid. Really? Not that okay. I've, not that I've seen. If you see any or anybody knows of any, I would love to see them. Um, but that's not to say that interesting timescales don't exist. We just mentioned Matt Adams um, and the injury based timescale I've discovered is that you're seeing an E folding which where it's on this exponential decline where the half-life is like four days. Four days to get yep. back. So is that an ad drop? Is that ad drop not, related? So uh, it's not obviously correlated with ad drop. It's not correlated with Mondays. So unless leagues are it's possible that there's enough leagues that ad drop is on different days that the signal is completely smeared out but there's no stronger signal on mondays for either ads or drops in espn or sundays or sundays yeah hmm. which i was i was surprised by i honestly thought we'd see something well you think people are in the leagues where you don't have a day of the week that people are looking so that's, at it on Saturday. So that's morning. what I've wondered is, I mean, I, I Friday. think, I think that that's probably out there, but the only way that we would know that is by getting actual information about the leagues. Okay. Add us, whoever has that's that, right, that information. All right. I have four quick templates and a, and a list of players okay, to, to name down here. Um, I've got one that I'm calling zero to hero, which is these are the guys that have, the largest change in ownership over the course of the year so far. Is it Jay-Z? <laughs> That's right. Jed Lowry, Christian Villanueva, Matt Adams, Eduardo Escobar, Francisco Cervelli, Sean Newcomb, Walker Bueller, Glaber Torres, Jorge Soler. Anybody you want to point out? Christian Villanueva. We had counted him for dead. That's right. And he's he's, he's come kicking. back. He's alive and kicking. He's still around because, quite frankly, the Padres can't um, really roster a full Man, team. They really cannot. They they. I would not be surprised if at one point this year they trot out eight guys. 
<laughs> like that that could definitely happen. Um, but all these guys are are on the way up, and I and in terms of general wisdom, if they're not owned in your leagues, you should own them. <laughs> they're worth they're worth at least a pickup. I don't think that Vox Populi can be that wrong. No. Um, here are the fifty percenters. These are the guys that the median is the closest to fifty percent. So their median thus far over the the first eight weeks of the season that we've had so far, their ownership is at fifty percent. These guys are all over the place. None of them are sitting at fifty percent. They're just all cycling around fifty percent. Yeah. Michael Brantley, Christian Villanueva appears on this list. Marcus Simeon, Trevor Williams, Mike Zanino, Danny Duffy. Dexter Fowler, Tasker Hernandez, Yonder Alonso, Bud Norris. Now these guys are going. These guys, oh. these guys are going different ways. Some of them are going up. Some of them are going down. Yeah, say it ain't so, Bud. Yeah, poor Bud. And some of them can't just close that. Close so I, roll. yeah. So I think this is interesting because these are the guys that are just kind of bumbling around fifty percent, where where yeah. the the popular opinion is not settled on them. That's what that says to me. Yeah, I think that's that's true, and they're also. Well, I mean, I. I don't think it's just that. I think that part of it is that they're, um. Well, I guess yeah. No, the the public opinion just hasn't been set, and that's because the players haven't set, either. Like Christian Villanueva and Marcus Semien, um, these are not. None of these guys have been consistent. Right. So my zero authority statement would be don't trust anyone that says that they can predict any of the guys on this list, how they're going to be the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah. This is not a predictor. This is not a forecast. That's tool. Right. The 50% so some people you can, these are the people that we have to get out of here to be able to make predictions. That's exactly right. I think it's interesting. I mean, if you can learn, this is telling us that some players, you have a lot of, you can gather a lot of information from this tool. Other players, you have no information from this tool. Um, and just yeah. just a quick note, the guys that aren't on this list, um, this is, again, scraped directly from ESPN, and they only have the change in ownership, so you don't actually get raw mm-hmm. ownership numbers, at least forward-facing, you get the guys that have changed over time. So the people that aren't on this list, basically no one that's going to be 100% owned. Um, and in, in ESPN, the bar for guys that are just under that there is potentially some question about whether they should be owned is at like the Gary Sanchez, Justin Upton, Reese Hoskins, Buster Posey, Nelson Cruz level. Anyone who's better than hmm. that is owned in basically hundred percent. So those guys have shown up. Yeah. On the list. Those guys oscillate between <laughs> 99% and 99.5%. <laughs> yeah. Really? Justin Upton isn't owned in every right. single league. Ugh, this is horrible. Better than Justin Upton. Wow. So on weeks where things really just aren't moving, you get like the half percent. Somebody's out there just like Justin Upton's not doing it. (laughs) Um, All right. So wrap this all up. What do we need to know about this? Um, I have a few takeaways. Reaction times are not as fast as I expected. I thought that that leagues would be much less forgiving in terms of if you missed out on just the smallest hint of a player performing well or performing badly, you would be behind the times. That's not true. These these take a long time to settle out to asymptotic values, which means that there's plenty of time to hit your wagon to rising stars. But watch uh-huh. out, the come down time is really slow. So the time to realize that 
that a player is actually bad and you shouldn't have them on your roster is way longer than it should be. Understandable. I mean, we've struggled with that. Yep. A long and so time. I've I've tried really hard this year to recalibrate myself. Like, okay, don't hold on to that player. Just dump them. <laughs> Last thing, um, I'm interested on sort of a meta level of whether it's interesting to try and play ESPN and CBS off of each other. So we've gathered two yeah. data sets. Um, we'd have to know, we'd want to know a little bit more about the construction of the leagues between the two, but for instance, would it be possible if you're in a CBS league to get some information from the inflection points of ESPN, um, leagues that might be at a couple different days or something? Hmm. Yeah. Maybe it would be able to inform, inform the other one. Just a thought ESPN. I, you know, spot checked all your graphs against CBS and ESPN seems just slightly lower than CBS in general. The numbers are lower, but that could have to just do with your conjecture that there's more dead leagues in ESPN. Are you about ready to wrap this sucker up? I am. I got to get this off my chest. The NBA rumor mill. I'm really worried about Carl Anthony towns. Is he leaving the wolves? Tell me it's not so. (sighs) I don't know why they would trade him. So the minute that it became even like remotely feasible that he was upset there, somebody asked me, would you take Al Horford, Jalen Brown, and a first rounder next year for Carl Anthony Towns? <laughs> and like, no, you? absolutely not. Are you kidding me? I don't think I'd want to make that right, trade. But then all the Celtics fans start thinking like, but Jalen Brown is so good. He's so good. And I, I knew I was going to go through this thought. I knew you were going to go through that thought process where, like, first blush, you're like, wow, we got to get Towns. And you're like, but, but Brown. On the other side, as a Wolves fan, I think, are you kidding me? Jalen Brown versus Carl Anthony Towns? Come on. Cat can't play defense. He looks like a lost dog out there. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to give him to Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens would make him amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have him broken on our team than successful in somebody else's. Yeah, send him to, like, I don't know, the yeah. Kings. Yeah, who plays less defense than the Wolves currently? I guess I guess the Kings. Um, Trade him to uh, Phoenix for Booker and the number one draft pick. Could be interesting. All right. I think that about brings us to the review session. L-O-T-R, F-O-T-R. Number one thought was... It was like like seeing an old friend. I hadn't watched this in so long. I completely agree. And the thing that right after we agreed to watch the the extended edition, I was like, wait, what would I actually be like what would I be missing if I watched the regular? And I realized I'm so steeped in the extended edition that everything was like, no, that has to be in the movie. Like, no, 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 no. no. How how could you take that out? i i somewhat agree and then like i could not watch this in one sitting no (laughs) no i mean they they it is they must have field tested it and been like oh 208 minutes is too long for people to sit oh okay okay yeah yeah who knew (laughs) wow uh yeah i i agree with you though i've gotten to the point where i I can kind of remember some of the contours, but I can't remember all like 40 minutes that they added back into That's that right. movie. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that they, I don't want to necessarily belabor these points, but I, th- I think they actually made intelligent cuts when they went down to the regular version based on what I read. 
even though I think of all of those scenes as iconic scenes in this movie. <laughs> like the lay of Lothian? Yeah. Baron that's of right. And well, I mean the they definitely they cut out the like the the very intro with Bilbo. Like you don't actually see you see much less Bilbo at the very beginning. The beginning of yeah. right, 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 right. Once you're in Hobbiton, yeah. Favorite line that I'd forgotten about: "Is it secret? Is it safe?" <laughs> How could you? Have <laughs> I don't know. That? I mean, I just like uh, I feel like we said that to each other a lot, and I feel like I haven't did. heard that a lot lately. <laughs> that and yeah, between that and there's work yes. to do. I mean, those. Yeah, all-time greats. What orders from Mordor, my lord? <laughs> oh, that is... Yeah, man, that is just so appropriately creepily said. I also really... I still, like, think about this all the time. It's like, tell me, friend. <laughs> <laughs> when did Saruman the Wise abandon reason for madness? Yeah, there's so many it is great an lines. A-plus Ian McClellan movie. What are we going to do next week? You know what we're going to do next week. It's a solo movie. Solo movie. Everybody go and watch the solo movie. We're going to talk about that. All right. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools. Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, we're select to you, buddy. We're select to you, too.